Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode number 91 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here, as always, to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved so thanks for tuning in and thanks for being here today i do appreciate you now i just want to mention a couple of deals before we go on to today's episode if you're looking to get fitter faster and stronger for the trails don't forget our special deal we have with the strength factory it's a special deal for mtb tribe podcast listeners you get 50 percent off your first month subscription with the strength factory's strength and conditioning program so simply just go to the strengthfactory.uk and look up their programs and there's the strength and conditioning program there and if you use the promo code tribe strong that's one word tribe strong you will get your first month's subscription free now it's only valid until the 15th of july i know ben's courses are great we've had him on the podcast a couple of times and his courses are really good so if you want to get stronger and fitter and just enjoy your ride more um, definitely check that out again just go to the strengthfactory.uk or go to the resources page on the mtb tribe podcast website and you will get a link there and all the information there Another deal you can take advantage of with being an MTB Tribe podcast listener is with the Trail Unknown guys. We've had them on the show before and they're kindly offering MTB Tribe listeners 10% off your first ride with them. The guys at Trail Unknown um, showcase the best mountain biking in the UK national parks and areas of outstanding beauty through guided backcountry tours. The stuff they do is really, really good. And I know they've just got a new calendar, new dates out for 2019 there quite recently. They've added new stuff to their calendar, so go check that out. Now, you can get 10% off your first ride with the Trail Unknown guys. So simply to take advantage and get that 10% off your first ride, all you have to do is to email the guys about what trip you're interested in and mention the discount code MTB Tribe Unknown. That's MTB Tribe Unknown, and you will get 10% off your first ride. That is available for the 2019 trips only. It is that simple. And if you want to visit the guys, just simply go to trailunknown.com and you will get the info there. And again, just go to the resources page on the MTB Tribe podcast and you will get the info there as well and some details how to get in contact. Now, on to today's show, and today we are chatting with Matt from Guatemala. Now, Matt has got a crazy, crazy story. He's originally from the US, but he moved to Guatemala to start a bike tour business. Yep, him and his brother just simply drove to Central America and uh, <laughs> from the US and set up a a tour there, a, a mountain bike tour business, and you know, basically selling guided tours from their hotel. To be honest, to start with, so it's quite a crazy story. But what Matt has got going there is unbelievable. He's been doing it now for over twenty-one years, and uh, the old town outfitters' his business has been going from strength to strength. And um, just looking at his website and the scenery and everything else there, it just looks absolutely amazing. So we chat to Matt about what the scene was like when they initially arrived down there in Guatemala and how it has changed so much 
over the last 20 odd years it's pretty crazy we chat to him about the trails what to expect riding there how good the trails are what kind of trails you can expect and what kind of tours that Matt offers and he offers a load of stuff everything from real hardcore downhill enduro type stuff to easy rides if you want to go and see some of the Mayan temples and things like that um, so he can really really cater to whatever your needs are and um, to make you have the best experience you can so it's it's really customer focused it's a real nice business model and um, the guys are doing it really well down there and he's got plenty of guides he's got new trails every year it just seems really really good so we chat to him about all that about what you need to bring what best suits you via the website how you can get in contact with man have a chat to him and see about getting a tour there in guatemala but the place sounds amazing the people sound amazing the experience certainly would be amazing so let's get matt onto the mtb tribe podcast and hear what he has to say about guatemala and the mountain biking down there you won't be disappointed it seems like an awesome, awesome spot. So the last thing for me to do is to welcome Matt to the MTB Tribe podcast. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. How's things, sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. You're more than welcome. Now, um, you run an adventure company, the the Guatemalan adventure company called Old Town Outfitters. Um, but you're not on. You're not in Guatemala at the minute. You're in the East Coast of America. That's true. Yeah, currently I'm uh, in North Carolina and Western North Carolina, a little town called Brevard, which uh, sits in some pretty good mountain biking spot as it is. <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah, never, never um, straight too far from the riding, that's for sure. No. Oh, good lad, good lad. And uh, we'll get into we'll get into the old town outfitters and stuff because your website is really cool the imagery on there looks really awesome the ride in there looks awesome for what i can see and um we'll get into that in in a wee bit um because it it does look it does look amazing there but you are from you're from north carolina is that correct it is correct yep from north carolina originally from charlotte uh like i say we're currently living uh in brevard just for a little bit just to take advantage of a little bit of mountain biking and be in the east coast for a bit and we're actually headed back down to guatemala pretty soon oh cool okay so you you moved to guatemala at some stage um what made you make that move or why did you why did you say to do that well, you know, I moved there. I had gone down to Guatemala in 1995 as kind of a vacation. Uh, and at that point, had my eyes opened as to what was there, what, how much terrain there was there, and how little mountain biking was happening. Uh, but, man, there was so much to be done. So looking kind of at the graduation from university was in sight. I uh, didn't want to spend the rest of my life behind a, a you know a cubicle or a computer in a cubicle somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I decided I'd like to get out and and you know ride mountain bikes as much as possible. And that was one of the few places I'd been, and it definitely had a, a lot of opportunity. And it was just such a beautiful and striking country with you know seemingly endless endless trails, which it does have. Uh, and so yeah, we were just kind of beckoned to to go check it out. So my brother and I, we you know I'd finished university and we bought bikes and bought a car and, and drove through Mexico with, you know, a, a truck loaded up with bikes on it and rolled into to Guatemala and, and based ourselves out of Antigua. Wow. Really? You've done the drive. Oh yeah. We've done the drive uh, you know, a handful of times, but yeah, it was, uh, it was certainly wild back in those days, you know, saving up all your money 
to uh, buy a car and load it full of bikes and drive it through Mexico. That was a wild journey. Uh, that's a whole podcast of it in and of its own. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had a really good time and, you know, we got down there and we, uh, once the word got out that there were two guys in town with a, you know, a, a rack full of, of nice mountain bikes and, and looking to, to take people out, we were, so, we were running mountain bike tours out of our hotel room. Wow. And, uh, yeah, we just kind of were there at the right time with the right, right concept. People were ready to, to get out and do something, you know, to get out and take advantage of the, of the outdoors and the nature. And there really wasn't that much of a, an opportunity. And there's, you know, a huge network of trails, Guatemala being just such an agrarian society. There's, you know, farm, farm trails, you know, covering the entire country. So really quickly we were able to, to string some rides together and get people out and, yeah, found found a spot to hang a shingle on the wall, and we were off and running. Wow! So when you initially went down there, was it to mountain bike, or was it just as as a vacation? Um, initially in ninety, before that in ninety five, it was Christmas break from university. So I went down with my my parents. My brother was actually studying Spanish in Guatemala at the time. He was doing a, a language immersion course, and he was there, and I. I went down to spend a little time with him and do Christmas with the folks, and then they went back, and I tried to stay. My parents gave me the big, uh, the big no on that one. I they made me come <laughs> back, back under under penalty of you know kicking me out of the house kind of thing. So I decided I'd go back and finish up my uh, my studies. But at that point, it kind of was that eye opener, and it was just being there and 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 seeing what was going on there. My brother at the time actually had taken my mountain bike to guatemala which it still lives to this day which is interesting. my very first bike ever is still down there which is kind of cool mm. um you know and i saw him riding around and saw the pictures and we got to ride a little bit and then at that point just decided we wanted to go back so then in 98 after i finished university we uh loaded a truck and made it happen wow wow so you you actually consciously made the move down there uh, was it scary at the time or were you just going to go and try it for six months and see what happened how, how did you yeah, go about it? you know i was i was young enough i mean it was certainly scary but i mean i was young enough to where i was kind of approaching it from the the idea of like hey you know i'm gonna give this a go and see what happens and you know i'd never done anything with any real consistency at that point the longest thing i had ever done was go to university and that, you know so it's like i it was totally new to me so I was going to go down with an open mind and, you know, and try to get this thing going. And, and I guess I felt like if it didn't work out or, you know, everything went belly up, we'd at least, you know, have had a cool opportunity and a nice travel and see a beautiful country. And then if I had to come back, I could come back and, you know, try to do it somewhere else or back, just back to the corporate America or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what did you study in uni? Uh, it was uh, Latin American studies and archaeology. So oh, really? you know, I was always in Tria and, and kind of uh, anthropology. So always, you know, interested in that part of the world, you know, even as it were, just outside of the mountain biking. You know, it's a very culturally rich country with you know the the Mayan population that's there. So it's you know there's a lot there's a lot going on. It's you know that kind of adds to the, to the total package of the country. Yeah, exactly. Well, you get to ride bikes and go and see all those sites that you're interested in anyway. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We've done some of that. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, so when you were living in the States, um, you obviously read mountain bikes and stuff there. How, how long have you been riding bikes then? Oh, man, I bought my first mountain bike, certainly before I could drive. I want to say I was 14, mm-hmm. which would have been back in the early 90s. I don't have to date myself too much, but (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, it would have been early 90s, uh, bought my first mountain bike, it was of course a fully rigid, cantilevered, you know, huge frame, I think it was a Nishiki, Manitoba, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, you know, I'm sure it was a 21 speed, flat pedals with, you know, cages, cantilever brakes, rigid, I mean, it was a beast, mm-hmm. um, I think mm-hmm. I paid 450 bucks for it, and then I was off and running, and steadily... <laughs> You know, steadily started, you know, getting into the sport and, you know, I was pretty well hooked at that point. It was, you know, every, every opportunity was an upgrade. Every Christmas present was a, you know, a fork or, or something, you know, to kind of get it going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, it's funny. I watched a movie, actually, I don't know if you've seen it called The Moment. It's on Red Bull TV and it goes back to how the whole free ride thing started. And some of the stuff those guys are doing on the old school rigid bikes and oh, yeah. the old things with like 60 or 80 mil travel it's just amazing hey? oh i know oh i know <laughs> it's crazy hey, i mean i remember you know getting the first like mag 10 fork for you know first rock shock fork back in the day and thinking it was you know mind-blowing with a couple little elastomer stacks in there <laughs> yeah boy, so what boy, you... how far we've come oh yeah it's amazing it really is um, yeah. but then guys like that actually changed how bikes had to be designed because for sure. you know, you know, their ability was far, far greater than the actual bike could handle. So you know, the companies had to upgrade things and make things better, and it's pretty amazing. Sure. sure. So what are you riding now? Uh, I've got I primarily ride Kona, so I've got a Kona Process, and then I've also got this cool Kona Satori DL, which is this kind of mid-travel. Uh, full suspension i think it's 140 130 uh but it's got this crazy steep seat tube angle which is great for guatemala so you know it's a super steep country uh once you kind of drop that saddle out of the way you know the front end is nice and slack and it you know and it rides really well down but it'll climb super well mm, yeah it's funny i was looking at the kona stuff there quite recently because i had uh leah monsell on the show last week and um oh, she's cool. she's like She's the ladies' national enduro champion, Irish national enduro champion. She's been sponsored by Kona since kind of day one. And, right. Uh, yeah, the stuff looks amazing. The, the bikes look really good. Yeah, they are. They're a lot of fun. You know, I've been riding on Kona's for you know a better part of a decade for sure. And you know, we that's what we kind of stock down. You know, down in the shop and we sell Kona and also you know put tour bikes out there. Kona's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All fun. right. So. Um, yeah, yeah. So Old Town Outfitters has been going 21 years now, roughly. Yeah, um, end of uh, in November 98. Wow, there you go, there you go. So it's it's grown quite quickly for you, I'm sure. Um, how many staff do you actually have now? Oh, man, we're probably, you know, 14 or 15, kind of full-time, and that's between, you know, we've got a point of sale, so like a bike shop and tour, tour kind of point of sale space, and then we've got the the back end of the business where, you know, people are sitting around making itineraries and, you know, wrenching on bikes and dealing with inventory and that sort of stuff. And then we've got a whole, you know, whole flurry of kind of contract guys that we keep on, you know, kind of they're you know, we've trained them up and we kind of keep them, we keep them busy enough, but they're you know, freelance guides for us. And we've got, you know, full-time guys and freelance guys. And there's a whole number of you know people even outside of that kind of 14 between drivers and, and other folks. Yeah, it's crazy. So the 
how quickly did the business grow then? It seems to have started off in a real, a well, real upward yeah. trajectory. And- yeah, we were, you know, again, we were pretty much running tours out of our hotel room, which was really cool. And it was just my brother and I. And then we took on an employee and, and really quickly realized that you know, we were able to do so much more. And then being kind of the, the first ones and the only ones in town, I mean, it's, you know, we were quickly adding guides and guides and guides. And, yeah, I'd say in the first couple few years, we were definitely – you know, expanding and seeing more of the country and starting to offer more different styles of rides and other things, even outside of riding. There was just so much demand for, you know, for any kind of guided, guided tours. And so we were quickly riding, riding rides and taking people up on volcanoes on foot and doing all sorts of other stuff. And, you know, and I'd say by about 2001, we started working with some international kind of mountain bike specific partners and bringing in, you know, uh, uh, groups coming in to ride for a week two weeks mm-hmm. so yeah it, it ramped up pretty quickly yeah and initially what what kind of clientele were you getting who was coming to get guided mountain bike tours and stuff you know the, the guatemala's changed over the years and when we started it was still very much kind of a backpackers country people were coming in and and finding us and this is almost website you know it was all guidebook driven so it was travelers that were on longer walkabouts would get to antigua and and realize that man they had you know been on the road and were looking for something to do other than be in the bars and you know and in spanish schools or doing whatever and and mountain biking you know quickly filled that that void for a lot of folks and as guatemala has developed it's become more of a specific destination where people are searching out you know, I want to go to Guatemala specifically, and then nowadays it's, I want to come to Guatemala specifically to mountain bike. And so, um, yeah, we're definitely, you know, Guatemala is putting itself on the map. There's a very vibrant riding scene there, and I think the word's getting out, and people are coming, you know, to Antigua alone just to come ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, kind of changed from, you know, being kind of backpackers to then, you know, families and, you know, tour groups wanting to come to ride. And, you know, now people coming specifically just to hang out in Antigua. Yeah, it's cool. And you, you do offer quite a lot. You offer like multi-day tours, rafting, rock climbing, trekking. You do, you do even helicopter tours, man. Yeah, I mean, hey, man, there's, uh, you know, we're trying <laughs> to train some guys to, uh, to ferry bikes on a helicopter. That would be the next thing. Wow, wow. So when, I can, when I can find the, the right pilot. Yeah, that's crazy. So, um, what's the area like? Tell us, tell us what the area is like there. Yeah, Guatemala is a super mountainous country. I mean, yeah, Antigua alone is kind of up in the in the highlands, up in the Altiplano. We're at fifteen hundred meters. Uh, you know, ringed by three volcanoes, one of which has lava coming out of it. You know, crazy to be able to sit right there in town on a rooftop after a ride, have a beer, and look out over the the horizon and see lava coming off a mountain. Um, but it's just a super, you know, mountainous country with, you know, beautiful forests and, and really cool trails and farms everywhere. And a lot of, you know, super colorful, vibrant people. And it's just, it's a pretty tremendous spot. And as you kind of move West out of Antigua, you kind of get to the Lake Atitlan area, which is this big, cool old volcanic caldera. This, that, uh, you know, it was a, a vol- volcanic complex that imploded on itself and left this big, beautiful blue lake that's got amazing mountain bike trails to drop into it. Uh, and then beyond that, you kind of get up into the real highlands that are up around 3,000 meters. And it's 
craggy, rocky, windswept, you know, really pretty, super remote little villages, you know, almost like a throwback to centuries, you know, time centuries ago. It's really cool. Yeah, man, that that sounds awesome. What's the climate like there are you around? Well, you know, they call it the land of the eternal spring. It's always nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I, I can do some, you know, being from the U.S., I got the uh, metric system down in some ways, but tem- temperature I'm not so good at. It's always nice. You know, it's always 70 degrees, 72, you know, and it's warmer in the day, cool at night kind of thing. Uh, the seasonality there is more wet and dry. So the, the rainy season tends to kind of pick up May through October. And, you know, that's not to say that it rains all the time, but you definitely get some rains. And if you don't mind getting a little bit wet here or there, or you can plan your rides the right way, you can kind of avoid it and take advantage of with the rains come the green. And so country turns really nice and green and lush uh, in the rainy season, and it you know, keeps the dust down. And uh, I quite prefer the rainy season over, you know, over parts of the dry season where it really dries out. But uh, kind of November to March is your drier time of year. And again, it can be a little warmer in the day in the dry season, a little cooler at night just because you don't have so much cloud cover and it kind of gets to be, you know, the clouds hold some of that heat in. Um, but the peak riding time, November, November, December, January are just glory, glorious times to ride. It's definitely going to be dry. So if you're coming out of a, a rainy or a cold North America or Europe, you know, coming down during during November through kind of early winter is a really nice you know time to be there. It's not super dry. It's not super dusty yet. It's dry. It's green. Uh, it's just a super great time to be there. So, Matt, is it a year-round business then? It is, yeah. You know, the seasonality of Guatemala being uh, kind of wet and dry uh, doesn't really affect us too much. We're able to operate uh, year-round. I mean, if you're willing to to you know to brave some storms here and there, I, I think you can ride. You know, certainly year round and the weather is, is such it's you know, beautiful and temperate and, and great outside all the time and we're really only uh, affected by the ups and downs and the seasonality of, of tourism in general mm. uh, but yeah the riding is is year round we we get out and get after it all the time yeah cool and when would your busiest period be you know november to march is kind of when we work with our biggest wholesalers and operators and that sort of thing uh to work partnerships with it's just it's it's dry. The weather's great. Um, you know, the rains tend to, to taper off in kind of October. So November, December, January, February are definitely the driest months with, you know, bluebird skies and, and uh, the, the green. You know, it's super lush from all the rains, but it's not yet drying out too much. So that's definitely our busiest time. And then, you know, we get pretty busy in summer, kind of July, June, July, August as well, kind of coincides with North American uh, summer and vacation times, so we get quite a bit of uh, North Americans coming down over that time too. But yeah, mm-hmm. cool man, cool. And when you arrived down there, was there many? Was there many local guys mountain biking there? What was the scene like there? Oh man, yeah, no, there was hardly anybody out there. You'd see some folks on some bikes, but there was certainly nothing that uh, you would really want to throw your leg over and ride around on. You know, biking was primarily just a, a mode of transport. I mean, mm-hmm. you'd see people out, you weren't really seeing anybody trail riding. Uh, and I remember when we took on our first employee, you know, the concept of going out in, into the woods and going into the forest and riding, that was so foreign to those guys. And, you know, having to get these guys on bikes, get them bikes, get them trained up, get them some fitness. Um, you know, that was a, a pretty tough, tough thing to do in those days and and nowadays i mean there's 
you know, a, a vibrant ride community, a big race scene, you know, multi-day stage races. Yeah, you know, there's all kinds of all kinds of riders out there. Wow, that's crazy. So you've seen it growing from basically nothing to what it oh, is yeah. today. Absolutely. Yeah, in the early days, I mean, it was just me essentially out on those <laughs> trails riding riding mountain bikes, and I'd see all kinds of people out there, but really nobody riding. And it was, you know, it wasn't until like 2004 or five even that I feel like you'd start to see, you know, any locals other than the small kind of crew of locals that, you know, I was pulling into the fold to become guides and getting them gear and that sort of thing. You know, and there were some wealthier Guatemalans that were kind of from the city that have more access to, uh, you know, be able to travel up to the U.S. and, and buy gear and that sort of thing and, and get back down. But on kind of a local level, there was not really much happening. Yeah, it's 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 weird that because we don't think of bikes like that, essentially, you know, because I've had the guys on from East Africa and Kenya and stuff. Um, quite a lot and they say the same that the locals use bikes just as transporters to get from a to b for a reason they don't understand you're going riding just to enjoy it they don't right. get that concept you know so i'm yeah. sure that's what you experienced there too uh, absolutely i mean again you know in the early days it seemed like people would look at you like you were crazy you know you're going out to do what you know why why would you go out and do that why are you going riding <laughs> in a dangerous you know that was they were always in the dangerous out there. Like, no, it's not dangerous out there. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, yeah, I feel safer in the woods than almost anywhere. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It's certainly in the early days. Nobody was really doing much, much riding. And boy, how that's changed now. You can't go out on a Saturday and and not bump into to somebody. Wow, wow. It's it's cool in a way. Oh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it's good to see. You know, and it means a lot of things. I mean, it looks like you know the. I've definitely seen mountain biking become, you know, it's a career for some folks. I mean, it's been a career for me and it's been a career for, you know, I've got some guys who have worked with us for a decade, you Mm -hmm. know, and they get out there and they, and, you know, the bike has kind of made that possible for them. And and you see that and, you know, there's obviously bike shops popping up and there's, you know, some super quality professional shops in the city. We've got a a shop in in Antigua. And so you're definitely seeing, you know, Guatemalans really quickly realized that tourism in general, you know, not specific to mountain bike touring, but, you know, certainly that is a large component. You know, tourism in general is a career opportunity for, for folks. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So let's chat a wee bit about MTB and um, Old Town Outfitters then and what you do and what kind of tours you run and stuff like that. So you do lots of different kind of kind of tours. Can you talk us through a couple of them? Yeah, we do. You know, we do anything from super scenic just rides around the valley checking out you know the different villages and uh, coffee farms and more of a kind of a scenic cultural beginner style ride you know that's kind of more gravel grinding just kind of for that person who wants to get out and just take in some scenery and you know maybe not much of a mountain biker at all or you know some folks ride all the time but again they just want to kind of get out and, and spend a half day and kind of get to know the area you know that from kind of the most basic of the rides on up to two week long, fully supported, you know, kind of full blown mountain bike rides on a, on a varied mix of terrain, whether it be, you know, kind of downhill enduro style or, you know, lots of cross country miles or even some gravel grinding in there. But, uh, you know, there's the country being just so mountainous, you know, there's, there's every kind of style of riding there, you know, there's downhill riding, there's great cross country, there's gravel, there's some, you know, road riding as well. So we do a little bit of everything, you know, so we've got, 
great half day, full day, single track rides in kind of pockets around the country. We're based out of Antigua. So we do a lot out of the Antigua area. Um, you know, again, you can ride up, shuttle up, uh, do these big trail rides, ridge rides back down. Um, and then we do some kind of point A to point B type stuff, you know, multi-day kind of two and three day rides between the lake out to, uh, back to Antigua. And then again, we do these kind of big longer, you know, 14 day trips where you're riding some point A to point B. We're doing some shuttling to ride some specific, you know, drops or trails. Mm -hmm. Uh, so a little bit of everything, you know, on from beginner through expert riding I mean, the riding there is, is pretty unique. Yeah, you, you do offer a lot there on your site, and the scenery and stuff that you have on your site, just the images there look do look amazing, and I'm sure you can, you would have to be experienced for quite a lot of that type of stuff. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so how does the day work if you were going out, say, for a seven-day tour or something? How would how would the average day kind of look yeah. to you? Yeah, so typically, you know, you would... We, we tend to stay more often in hotels, just it's pretty easy to do. There's kind of a, a town within earshot oftentimes, you know, every now and again, we will do some trips where we're kind of far in the back country and we're running out of a camp. But either way, the days kind of start the same, you know, breakfast, either at the camp or hotel. And then it's, you know, getting on the bikes and riding for a few hours. Uh, we typically have a trail side lunch. We have a support vehicle that comes up and drivers get out and, you know, and prep a nice lunch for us. And then, you know, you're back back on the bikes for a few more hours and it's you know you're typically pulling into where you're going you know hopefully by 3:30 or so in the afternoon to kind of take advantage of of where you are you know and I'd say you know varying distances anywhere from you know 30 to 50 kilometers I'd say in a day is probably pretty average and a lot of the times you can't even necessarily gauge the rides by you know, by, by distance, it's more just time. Sometimes mm-hmm. those 30 K will take you six, seven hours just cause it's kind wow. of slow going and arduous and you know, other times, you know, you're able to kind of plow through, but yeah, you know, we tend to get, you know, good, good six hours on the bikes, you know, a nice hotel stop or lunch stop and then pull into some kind of scenic, you know, unique hotel somewhere along the way for, for evening. And then it's, you know, dinner and have a beer and sit and chat about the day and get ready for the next day and, and do it all over again. Yeah, wow, it's it sounds pretty amazing. And yeah, so you're you're stopping at different areas, so you're not going back to your base every day. You're stopping out at different different locations. Yeah, yeah, we do a little bit of everything. I mean, we'll do. We've got a multi day ride just around Antigua, where you kind of do base out of the town, and you're able to kind of go up and do a series of loops in and around town, or, or at least within like a, a quick drive striking area of Antigua. Um, we do a couple shuttled kind of more enduro downhill style rides out at the lake where it's super steep and the trails are typically ridden top to top to bottom, you know, and you can stay there for a couple days and, and do a, a few different drops down uh, on trail back to the lake. And, you know, we're, so we had hub out of, out of a certain spot for maybe a couple days here or there, but a lot of the longer trips are maybe two days in Antigua, two days at the lake. And then you're kind of moving uh, point A to point B kind of riding, you know, all along the way. Mm-hmm. yeah so what would be your most popular kind of trip uh you know we do a lot of we do a lot of riding in and around antigua on the you know one to two day level and then you know we definitely do a lot between antigua and the lake it's just such a scenic space out there and the and the, the riding is fantastic and it's tough and challenging kind of my my favorite style of stuff super steep and and loose and rocky and that kind of stuff um 
we do a lot of again so a lot of rhyme between antigua and the lake you know on the kind of multi-day level you know two to two to five to seven days we tend to do a lot of that Mm -hmm. yeah it's cool and where would your typical customer be from now do you think Wow, we get a pretty good spread. I mean, I think when we first started, we were more focused. It just seemed like it was more European driven. And I'd say now we have a pretty good even split. I think North Americans make up quite a quite a uh, you know a percentage of the market. But again, you know, all, all over Europe and you know Australia and New Zealand um, and certainly the U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool, and the. The thing that always strikes me about um, businesses like yourselves, adventure businesses and stuff, is gauging the person's ability. Because I'm sure a lot of people come out thinking they're experts when they're not really. So how do you, how do you kind of gauge that? Do you, like, what size are your groups, and do you ever find that people drop off and, and things like that? How does that work out? Yeah, that's always that's always tough, right? I mean, we try to do as much as we can, obviously, before we ever get anybody booked on a tour. So, a lot of it's just having good trained, you know, people who are, are talking to folks. So, if you're coming through the website and you want to go on a tour, you know, we obviously are then trying to to figure out what kind of rider you are, or, you know, what kind of fitness you feel like you have, or where you live, or what you've ridden, and that kind of thing. And even that's not always, you know, an end all. I mean, I can't tell how many people call us like, oh, yeah, I ride Colorado. And then they get there and you're like, well, you know, I know you're from Colorado, but the riding here is tough, too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's always tough. You know, we tend to have a kind of one to five guide to client ratio. Uh, so if it's a larger group, we have multiple guides out there. You know, and on the multi-day stuff, we always have a SAG vehicle or support vehicle. Uh, and if someone does drop off and we try to do what we can, you know, and in often in often cases, there is an option for kind of a bailout ride. You know, if I have multiple guides on the trip or have another guide available, I can send out. Then, you know, if it, the ride's too hard or it's too much trail and people want to, you know, they realize maybe they'd rather more gravel grind or have something, you know, an easier option. We can often split and divide if we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in, in, in worst cases, I've definitely had people who, you have sat out a day here or there, but that's pretty rare. Again, I feel like we do a pretty good job of getting people on the right ride and getting people riding the right terrain and the right length and seeing the right stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, it's someone's holiday and you want to make sure that they're having a good time. And, you know, I love riding a mountain bike, but I don't like pushing one. So I think it's funner. <laughs> it's fun. Even if it's not, you know, if the easy is too easy, but the hard is too hard, I'd rather you ride something too easy, but be on your bike and be having a good time, having, you know, being good spirits. And, you know, we always take good care of people. So if, you know, the riding's too much, well, hey, we'll find if there's another activity we can kind of do in and along the way. But like I say, that kind of rarely happens, uh, you know, try to do, get people on the right rides. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, you've been doing this for a, a long time now, but the experience you must need to knit all this stuff together um, is pretty crazy. So how did you, did you have pitfalls along the way? How did you get to this level you're at now? Oh, man, it's been, yeah, there's pitfalls all, all the time. Even now there's still pitfalls, you know, it's just you're, it, it takes a, a lot of determination in, in getting out there and, and really just, trying to take in that much of a landscape. I mean, you know, Guatemala, it's, it's not a huge country, but there's a lot of terrain to cover and there's a lot of places to ride and rides change. And so just, you know, kind of cataloging and, and getting out there and riding and spending the time and making the contacts, you know, that's, you know, all that stuff's pretty tough to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's obviously the business sense and being able to kind of link it all together and, and make it 
So where it's attractive folks and getting it, you know, the ability to get in front of people. So yeah, there's been ups and downs and, you know, uh, but we've, you know, we've got a pretty good, pretty good product we feel like. And, you know, we got great guides and the writing's fantastic and the country's super cool. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times it just kind of works out for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems to be you've learned on the job kind of thing, which is a lot of the time the best way. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been a, it's definitely been a trial, you know, trial by fire kind of thing. You know, I was straight out of, out of university, you know, not with a business degree at all. And, you know, then all of a sudden trying to pull this business together and, and manage it and manage it in Spanish was yet another you know level of complexity. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's been, it's been fun and interesting. Is your brother still involved with you? Uh, yeah, he's not involved on a day-to-day level. He, you know, certainly has always been super supportive of us and he's, uh, you know, he comes down and helps out when he can. He's back in the U S, uh, working and living full time. And, you know, I think it's probably certainly the kind of thing where, you know, he, he'd love to be involved, but you know, his, uh, his career path kind of took him a different direction. But he's always been involved in some level, you know, even if it's just a, a sounding board or coming down and guiding or helping out or finance or kind of whatever it may be. He's he's always kind of in and around the mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Um, and the trails and stuff there, Matt, do you need any permission to ride a lot of those trails? What way is it set up there? Yeah, you know, not really. You know, there are a couple of places uh, where there's some mountain bike parks kind of thing. And there's some, some spaces where you are going through some private land, but a lot of what's out there is just kind of open and free. And, you know, and again, farmers cutting through the next farmer's field to get to his own. And so it's kind of this just communal feeling that these trails are out there for kind of the benefit of all. And, you know, you obviously need to be respectful and mindful of the folks that are making their living out there, you know, on the trails with, you know, livestock or, you know, farming and that sort of thing. But uh, by and large, you know, it's kind of open, open terrain out there. So not, not too much permission needed. You know, obviously we're not jumping fences or anything like that. And increasingly, uh, you know, countries becoming more populated and people are d- definitely holding on tighter to what, what is theirs. And so being mindful, if you are going into private property, if, if we've ever had an issue, we just, you know, quickly will change routes or whatever we need to do. But, um, you know, it's kind of just this uh, public access and the access is fantastic, you know. Living in Antigua, you could, you know, ride there for a week or, you know, I've lived there for nearly, you know, 22 years and rarely ever feel like I need to put my bike on a car. And, you know, the access is so good. It's great, you know, right from town. And uh, and that's kind of the same as, you know, all over the country. And it seems the further you get away from populated areas, you know, the more open space there becomes, which is similar to kind of anywhere. Yeah, cool, man. It does sound amazing. It really is. Yeah. Uh... It's somewhere that has to go on a bucket list, I'm sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so how does it all work then? If somebody's wanting to book a trip with you, how are they best going about it? Can they do it through your website and stuff like that? Absolutely. So you get in touch with us pretty easy. We're at adventureguatemala.com. We're also opening up a, kind of a bike-specific website to kind of just kind of showcase that and split that off from everything else, make it less confusing, confusing called bikeguatemala.com. Either one of those two places, you can get information, you can get an email, there's phone numbers listed, you can email us and we'll start working with you to put together itineraries, try to figure out what kind of ride you'd want to do and and help you out and pull all the logistics together for you. Mm -hmm. No, that's very cool. That's cool. And what about bikes and stuff like that? Can you uh, bring your own bike and do all that kind of thing? 
You can. You know, we have a, a full fleet of, of Kona full suspension. We've got uh, precepts and process bikes down there, uh, 27.5 and 29. But if you, you know, you're never, you're always more comfortable on your own gear. So if you want to bring your bike, typically not too much of a problem. You certainly want to check with your airline. Uh, shipping is not necessarily the best option. Uh, things tend to get held up in the port. So I'd say, you know, box your bike up, you know, fly it with you, pay the, the extra little amount to do that. And if you don't feel like doing that, it's too much of a hassle, then come down and ride one of ours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your trips, um, it includes transfers from the airport, everything like that. Is it a lock and key kind of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we want to make this as easy for people, you know, folks as possible. So get in touch with us and, you know, we'll handle it all the way from, you know, the minute you step off the airplane to when you get back on, or if you only want to do rides, you know, that's another, we can do that too. But yeah, we tend to pick people up at the airport, get them hotels and, uh, get them set up, get them on rides. You know, if there are any other activities they want to do or other tours or, you know, any sightseeing along the way they want to do. Yeah. We really make it all inclusive. And, and what extra things do they need? To, do people need to bring? You know, do they need extra derailers? Do they need chains? Do they? Need... No, we. You know, unless you got something super specific to your bike or some kind of crazy something or other on your bike, you know, maybe you want to bring that. But you know, we typically, it, it, certainly, if you're riding one of ours, you know, we buy in kind of a fleet mentality, so that if you know something happens on the trail, we always take a spare bike with us. We're able to you know kind of cannibalize if we need to pull something off that spare bike that's sitting on the, on the rack on the bus. Um, but no, I mean, you know, bring, you know, bring your basic, you know, some, some lube. And if not, we got that too, but you know, most people tend to bring in, you know, the, the obvious stuff, a pump patch kit, you know, their bike shoes, a helmet, their pedals, if they want, we do have some SBDs and shoes down there, some pedals and shoes, but a lot of people kind of bring, you know, those little bits and bobs with them. Uh, but in terms of like, you know, bring in the, the hardcore stuff pivots and stuff like that i wouldn't worry too much about that yeah that, that's cool because a lot of the a lot of the tour companies don't really offer that kind of thing you know you have to bring lots of extras and if you snap off a derailleur you're going to be in trouble to get yourself another one that type of thing you know what i mean so that's quite cool that you can service that right yeah we do have a like a full service bike shop and we've got you know parts and spares and stuff laying around so again unless it's just something you know, that we haven't seen before. We typically have it in stock. And again, we do carry a bike with us. Um, you know, and if someone needs a derailleur, I mean, we can, you know, pull one out of the shop and sell it to them, put it on their bike. If they blow through one, I mean, it's not, you know, Mm -hmm. not that big a deal. Um, so yeah, it's not mandatory. People bring stuff like that. If you bring it, that's great too. You know, Mm -hmm. That's cool. And what do people not need to bring? What do people bring that they have no need to bring? I'm sure there's people come with way too much stuff at oh, times. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, it's it come come with you know your your basic bike setup. You know, we don't really tend to do too much full wrap helmet kind of rides. You know, I wouldn't bring a, a full a full face helmet. You know, just a good kind of cross country enduro setup uh, would be good. No downhill bikes. Single speed's not so good. We've had some of those show up as well. Oh, no. uh, yeah, by the end of the trip, by the end of the trips, they're yeah, they're begging to take one of our bikes out for a couple of days just to uh, you know save their knees a little bit. But I'd say you know if you're planning on you know just wh- whatever you take with you for kind of a, a few days of riding cross country enduro style all mountain riding, you, you'd be fine. Um, you know, waterproof, bring you know helmet, gloves, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever kind of 
spares you feel like you need to bring. Like I said, we've you know got a full service shop, and there's you know plenty of shops in the city too where we could access pretty much whatever we wanted. Um, but you know it is it is in Central America, but we are up at you know 1,500 meters in Antigua and higher across the rest of the Western Highlands. So you know the right layers is always important, making sure people you know actually come with shoes and not just flip flops and stuff like that because <laughs> I think we're down in you know sunny Central America where we are, but it is a little cooler. Uh, we are a little bit more mountainous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool, cool. And how about prices and stuff, Matt? Is is it expensive to do something like this, or how do you work you know, out that? It, it certainly kind of depends on what level of service people are looking for. Yeah, I mean, there's any number of lodging options in and around Antigua. Yeah, so if it's a fully custom tour, it'd be hard to put a price tag on that. Just you know, because mm-hmm. it would depend on what kind of lodging folks are into or what they want to do, but. You know, it, it tends to work out, I'd say, kind of, you know, 150 to 100, I mean, 150 to $200 a day, including like lodging, guiding, transports, food, and that kind of stuff would be a good kind of, you know, uh, number to throw out there to kind of start getting mm-hmm. an idea of what a package could kind of look like for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's good. I think that's quite average around what people right. are doing, you know. It, it certainly feels like it. I mean, you know, it, it seems like a fair price. I mean, again, you know, we're paying our guys, you know, good salaries and, you know, and there's hotels and food and we try to, you know, try to pull out all the stops as best we can and, and make sure everything's, you know, super dialed in. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I want to speak to you a wee bit just about your community involvement, because I know you've got involved a wee bit in that as well. So what do you actually do there to help the kind of local community and stuff? Well, we've done... We've done quite a bit of, of training, whether it be bike-specific training or uh, kind of mountain training. We've built trail. Uh, we've worked with the local law enforcement and some bike skills and handling and getting those guys you know, out on bikes and, and service and that sort of thing and service days for, for schools and just getting, uh, getting people involved. We've worked with various organizations around the country with you know, sponsorships and or fundraising efforts you know through trips and that sort of thing um we're always out there trying to give back to our community we've been there for a long time and feel like we are we are a community member ourselves and feel like it's you know kind of our duty to to kind of help spread it around and and be a part of that community Mm -hmm. and when when you and your brother initially arrived down there matt were you integrated quite easily into the local community there how did the guys take you yeah, you know, I feel like we were. I mean, Guatemala and Antigua specifically, I mean, it's a super friendly place. And, you know, we didn't really have any problem. It didn't seem like there was any animosity towards us being foreigners. I mean, more than anything, it, it seemed like there was some excitement, not behind who we were personally, but, behind, you know, hey, people are coming here. Look at this tourism that's kind of happening. People are seeing this for, you know, this beautiful country for what it what it is and what it was then. And, and I think people were excited to have like some new movement in town and stuff going on. So, no, we've never really you know had any problem not feeling that we were being accepted by you know the local Guatemalans or the business community or the community at large. Uh, I feel like it was quite the opposite. Mm, that's cool. That's really cool. Like, was there any hoops you had to jump through as far as regulations of setting a business up there and stuff? How difficult was that? You know, it's it's changed. It's kind of always been a moving target. I mean, everything kind of in the government seems that it's a moving target. It changes every few years with the administrations. But, uh, you know, we we are fully licensed and, you know, we're registered with the Guatemalan Tourism Commission. And, 
you know, on a personal level, I mean, I had to go through the kind of the, the paperwork to become a resident and that sort of thing, just for, you know, business licensing and, and that sort of thing. But, but really, you know, it's probably not too unsimilar to, to other places, you know, you need an accountant and, you know, get some lawyers on board to kind of help you out and navigate some of the, the paperwork to get a business set up and, and to, to be legal in the eyes of, you know, the country. So it's, wasn't too difficult. And again, I feel like, you know, Guatemala has been pretty receptive to, to, you know, people coming in and wanting to, to bring development and tourism dollars and, you know, development dollars into country. So it's been, been pretty good. Yeah. That sounds, sounds pretty cool. Sounds pretty standard, really. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't anything, mm. no, you know, no, no, no back office dealings or, you know, under the table <laughs> kind of stuff going on. Yeah. You know, I mean, there is some of that out there, but you know, not too much, you know, on, on just getting the business going. Yeah, cool. Now, the guys that you hire there, the the guys you hire, are the majority of them local, or do you hire guys from the North America or anything? Uh, you know, we we definitely hire. We try to maintain at least seventy five or percent or more local hire. I mean, you know, most everybody in our office are local. You know, Guatemalans. Um, my current uh, managing director is from the U.S. and he's uh, kind of running the show on the on the day to day level at this point. Um, but outside of that, everybody else in the office right now is Guatemalan, if I'm not correct. You know, we and we have done, you know, we've taken on some interns and some guides that have come down from Europe or, or North America. Maybe they're raft guides or they're you know they're uh, out mountaineering guides in the winter and they want to come down or they're bike guides they're taking the season off to come down so we've definitely done some of that stuff and that's more of kind of a short-term contract or almost like an internship kind of deal um but in terms of like full full hire uh we try to hire as many guatemalans as we can um and you know we're we're doing what we can to get Guatemalans trained up uh, you know to become guides and that sort of thing putting them through whatever courses we can uh, so that you know they have that as a, a long-term career option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and are some of the guys quite skillful on the bikes? Does it take them long to get up to speed? Oh man, this, yeah, some of these guys are. There's some really good riders down there. Some super fit guys, and yeah, it's been really cool to see you know guys who uh, you know have have come out of you know wherever they live, having never ridden a mountain bike, and now they're you know hanging tough with you know the best of anybody out there. It's really cool to see. There's definitely some some good skilled riders that, you know, Hey man, I've been doing this for a really long time. These guys have been doing it for a couple of years and they're, you know, they're getting after it. They're doing great. <laughs> yeah. That tends to, yeah. tends to be that way. I think. Oh man. It's so cool to see. Yeah. Is there any young rippers there or anything? Any young guys getting really involved? Uh, yeah. in Absolutely. I mean, again, like I say, the mountain bike scene has just been, been, you know, blowing up. Um, there's a lot of really fit, fast guys down there and, um, yeah, I still haven't really seen too many people break onto the kind of international scene, but there's definitely some, you know, some really good young, young riders around for sure. Mm-hmm. Take you out and take you to the woodshed. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as the racing scene there, you did touch on it a wee bit earlier, but is there enduro stuff and all happening there and downhill yeah, stuff? There's a, there's an enduro series and there's a cross country series. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of everything happening. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty vibrant. That's so, pretty cool. And yeah. is that is that mainly locals that are competing in those? Yeah, yeah, it's mainly on the on the local level. You know, there is a a, a five. This year it was five days. It's either a four or five day stage race. It kind of kind of varies year to year. Um, and that definitely gets more international fare in terms of people coming to to ride that. 
Um, you know, a lot of Costa Ricans come up and you get, a, you know, American contingent coming down as well. North Americans come in. Um, but yeah, that's more on the, on the international, you know, on the, on the international level, it's more of these kind of longer, longer races. Uh, but then on the local level, you know, it's a lot of Guatemalans and then, you know, any other foreigners who happen to live in the country who want to, who want to race and ride. Wow. It seems to be all happening. It is indeed. You got to come down and check it out. Yeah, man, it sounds sounds and looks amazing, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so before I let you go, Matt, what's the future like for Old Town Outfitters? Have you anything planned, new, anything different for the near future? So we got all kinds of new rides we're kind of currently working. We're uh, we're working with a, a couple different organizations. We'd like to put together kind of a an all-ladies set of uh rides and and kind of get kind of embrace the the women's uh mountain bike culture down there and get those ladies out on bikes i'd love to see more ladies come together and you know even get some lady more lady guides out there running mountain bike trips we've had some in the past um there's a an american uh company called ladies all ride and they kind of focus on these ladies specific skills clinics around the united states maybe even go into canada i'm not sure um and we were working with kind of those guys to help try to pull together, you know, again, this late idea of this ladies kind of big group ride that's going to culminate with some skills stuff and, and hopefully kind of uh, bring up a couple ladies through the community, through the ranks and get those guys into a guide core kind of kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So definitely trying to foster more of the mountain bike community. Um, and, you know, we're always pushing for new rides and that sort of thing and, uh, you know, going new places. And I, like I said, I'd love to get the heli biking thing going. Uh, so, yeah. It never ends, man. It never ends. There's time to do. Yeah. <laughs> Keeps you busy, yeah? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so you're glad you made the move then. You have no regrets. Absolutely not. You know, Guatemala's a fantastic country. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, between there and, and the U.S., I mean, those are the two places I, I know and love. And, and the riding, I feel like so much of kind of my youth and, you know, my time has been s- sweat out across that guatemalan soil um you know both my boys are born there i mean it's a it's a it's a terrific place and yeah it's a great spot to ride and just culturally it's super unique and it's a beautiful spot wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world yeah cool and you'll get to see some mayan temples while you're at it eh? absolutely (laughs) Absolutely. cool cool so uh matt how can people get uh, best get in contact with you and find out what you guys are up to Absolutely. So just, uh, you know, you can follow our Instagram feed is old town outfitters. Uh, we bike Guatemala is another Instagram feed. Uh, you can go through adventureguatemala.com is our website. Uh, bikeguatemala.com is currently being built out as well. Um, so yeah, uh, you can email me directly at Matt at adventureguatemala.com. Uh, I'd love to get in touch with you and show you what we got. Uh, but yeah, those are probably the easiest ways. Find right. us on Facebook as well. Cool, man. It's all, uh, you need those socials behind you nowadays, huh? It's crazy. Yeah, you do. You know, it's just one good way to kind of, you know, spread spread the stoke on what's going on. Let people see the uh, see the imagery. It kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, cool, man. Well, it seems that you're doing an awesome job down there. Your website's very good, and um, it, it does look amazing, and it sounds amazing, too. So let's hope um, if guys are wanting uh, something different, or uh, especially coming from Europe here and... Uh, over and, and see what guatemala has to offer and it seems to be absolutely. quite a lot absolutely yeah there's a ton going on yeah you probably have some guys asking you for employment i would think well yeah. hey you know we'll see, we'll see what we can pull together <laughs> 
Good stuff. Well, Matt here, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story and stuff. And it sounds like you're super, super in love with what you do there. And that's, that's always the most important thing. Absolutely. It's been a labor of love for sure. Good stuff. Well, Matt, thanks so much and good luck in the near future. I hope everything, uh, hope everything falls in place. And once you get those helicopter rides sorted, give me a shout, will you? Yeah, I'll give you a holler. <laughs> Cheers, bud. All right, bud. Thank you. That's a wrap for episode number 91, folks. And Matt, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate that. It was great to have a chat with you. And um, you guys seem to be doing a great job down there. So it's on my bucket list. And um, I hope to visit you at some stage on my world trip, which hopefully will happen. But nothing's planned. Uh, But you're certainly on the list. And um, I would love to get down there and uh, check out what you guys are doing. It just sounds amazing. So, folks, if you want to know more about today's show, just simply go to the MTB Tribe podcast, mtb-tribe.com. You will be able to get more details on Matt on the Old Town Outfitters there. There's links there. There's videos there. You can get quick access to get in contact with Matt and uh, see what he has to offer you guys and you will not be disappointed so please do that now you can also access all the back shows from there and um, have a listen to whatever catches your fancy on the website they are all there number one to number 91 and um, I can't believe we're 91 episodes in but anyway it's um, it's awesome so thanks so much for listening um, if you want to support the show the best way to do that is by subscribing rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts every one of your ratings helps us boost Um, on the old Apple algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people hopefully getting them on the saddle and off the sofa now if you're not on Apple you can also find us and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify and Podbean we also have a website mtb-tribe.com where you can as I say find the complete back catalogue there listen and download to every show and um, it's free it's free so why not you know you can also subscribe there and get one email per week uh, with a quick and easy link to listen to the show with just a short synopsis of who's coming on the show and what to expect. Now, you can also get involved on social media. We are at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. And please, please, please take screenshots and help share the show. Just share it out with friends on your social media platform. That really, really helps the show. So until next week, folks, thanks again for tuning in, and I will chat to you next week with another MTV Tribe podcast. And until then, I hope you go out on the bikes, and I hope you have a great weekend.